0: Welcome to the podcast of the Renew community. We strive to be a Jesus community who cares about the things Jesus cares about. This podcast was recorded at our last gathering. Teaching like this is how we worship together every other week. We look to the scriptures seeking to become more like Christ. We're glad you're listening. It's just so cool to see um, when we come back into September, just how the life of Renew really seems to explode and get really exciting again. Um, but welcome back in the summer. You guys all look good. A uh, few tans still left out there. Uh, this morning, I am really excited to have an opportunity um, to lead us uh, t- kind of in a, in a dual way to finish up the book of Colossians um, and also uh, to talk about the vision of Renew. Um, every September, we get together, Uh, and every January, and we we remind ourselves who we are, we remind ourselves what we commit to, and where we sense the Holy Spirit leading us in this season to come. And so if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to open up with me to Colossians chapter 4. We're going to be starting in verse 2, and we're going to read through the end of it. It says this, Devote yourselves to prayer keeping alert with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us as well that God would open us a door for the word, that we may declare the mystery of Christ for which I am in prison, so that I may reveal it clearly, as I should. Conduct yourselves wisely towards outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer everyone. Tychus will tell you all the news about me, He is a beloved brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, the faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you about everything here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, greets you. These are the only ones of the circumcision among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Jesus Christ, greets you. He is always wrestling in his prayers on your behalf, so that you may stand mature and fully assured in everything that God wills. For I testify for him that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Heropolis. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters in Laodicea and to Nympha, and the church that meets in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and see to it that you read the letter that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you complete the task that you have received in the Lord. Paul, I write this letter in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. This is the word of the Lord. And all God's people said, there we go. Um, Yeah, so I really appreciate who we are as a community. And as we think about this uh, today, I want to start with who we are. And so since the beginning, Renew has been a community of skeptics and dreamers. And many of us who call Renew home over the years, including the pastor, have a story that goes something like this. I was part of the church when I was younger or during a season and I was burned or deeply wounded by it, so I left and came to this place as my last ditch effort. My faith in God was intact, but my faith in the church was severely damaged. And many of us began the journey of allowing the spirit and the witness of the community to mess with our inaccurate views of God and the church some of the mantras that we have is this idea of being a community where people can belong before they believe, so that there's this runway of faith to recognize that not everyone shows up in this place and just gets it, but we are all on this beautiful journey of understanding who Christ is and who he's calling us to become. Uh, We talk about the word skeptics, but I want to make sure that I don't dwell there. Skeptics are people who are leaning in. They're asking questions. Some of you hearing about the prayer walk may have been like, that sounds way too religious for me. And I want to tell you to lean in. Usually things that make you the most uncomfortable force you to grow. And so I want to encourage you in that. Cynics lean out. And a lot of times we see cynics kind of come and they're like, this is dumb, and they leave. And that's, that's the difference between a skeptic and a cynic. But we are a community where no perfect people are allowed. That begins with me uh, and Ben. Not so much Ben. Um, but it starts with us pastors, and it also is this beautiful reminder that when we come to God with our sin and our brokenness, we are not met with an angry, judgmental, ticked off dad. We're not met with the dad who is so disappointed that he's out having a smoke break because he can't deal with you. But we're met with his kindness, his love, his compassion, and those things are what pulls us into. His love and new life. We're also a community that longs to be and is continuing to fight to become naturally supernatural. We submit to the structure of what we do at Renew to the Holy Spirit. We will continue to pray for miracles and healing. I am haunted by the question that I heard about because I was up with the kids when there was a song that was played about miracles and Michael Smith stood up and said, do we believe this? And church, we need to grow our faith in believing that Christ is still present, active, and moving in our midst all the time. We want to grow in the gifts that the Lord has given us. Some of you are evangelists. Some of you are prophets. Some of you are teachers. Some of you are shepherds. And we want to see Some of you are apostles. Inside of you, you just have these ideas that just burst and you want to try stuff. We want to see the Spirit run wild and encouraging and equipping you all in the gifts that He's given for the honor of the Lord. We are a community of missionaries who are cleverly disguised as Stay-at-home parents, as pastors who work at coffee shops, as barista, as baristas, as people who are in accounting, as people who own businesses, as people who are teachers. But all of us are called, we are not the end users of this beautiful gift that we've received in Christ, but we are actually conduits in the terminology you've heard many, many times. We are, we are pipes, we're not buckets. We don't just receive this and, and recognize how good it feels but we receive it and we release it into the world. That we would begin to have courage and boldness to share the gospel with our friends. That we would begin to see more baptisms of new believers. People who have put their faith and hope in Christ. Because God has called us to be missionaries cleverly disguised as. We are a community that spells risk or spells faith, R I S. -S 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 Okay. And we've been praying for 11 years that God would give us a church plant, that we would be able to birth something new out of us. And we haven't been able to see that come to fruition yet, but we're going to continue to pray in that way. But what we have noticed is we've seen house churches planted over and over again. We've seen growth happen and multiplication, but we're a church that wants to take risks. Last night, community dinner gathered to have an opportunity to love this neighborhood well. And these are ways that we continue to take risk. Our fifth Sunday coming up, this is a way that we are continuing to say, can we take a risk and love people well? Can we be naturally natural in community? We are a community that has bet the farm on discipleship. And so when, and whenever we meet, so real fast, we, some of you may know this, I mean, uh, twice a month, myself, Ben, and a few other people, Joel, Lindsay, Mayer, uh, Dennis, and Caleb Mangum, am I missing anybody? And Aaron, oh my gosh, how could I miss Aaron? We meet together and actually, you guys just stand up, if you're part of that KM team, just stand up so we can see you. Uh, so if you have any questions or concerns, you can talk to all them, something's wrong. Yeah, no concerns. Um, But these folks have been faithfully helping us shape these gatherings for the last year and a half. I mean, for for many years. But the last year, we have just been so grateful to see the way creativity has just sparked. Many of you may remember the cartwheel that was done right about here. Many of you may remember the confetti cannons that have been shot around. And many of you may remember just the creativity that has happened. And that's because of this team of people that meets. And we're so, so grateful. For that, but the one question we ask almost every time we meet is this: How have people been formed? How have they been formed to follow Christ? And so that's why we do gatherings. That's why we do house church. We want to make sure that discipleship is happening. Um, if you've been through men's discipleship or women's discipleship, or are starting on Monday, can you please stand up? So those uh, we'll call you alumni. Of men's and women's discipleship, or you're starting, stand up. What I love about this is that when I look around and I see all these amazing people, they have a full gift of what it means to be discipled. And so I want to pray for you. I want to pray for the new guys that are, that are jumping into this, but I also want to pray for us as a community that we, you can sit down. Sorry, is there always that awkward space when it's like, uh, do we sit or stand? But Jesus, may you bless those who have been discipled. May you remind us and charge us and put a holy longing in our souls to recognize our calling to disciple others. Jesus, we know the work that you do in our hearts throughout these beautifully sacred spaces over these eight weeks changes everything. So God, for the men and women that have been through it before, May you rise up in them a holy longing to see others discipled. May you give them someone in the next week that you would just kind of flag in their minds and say, I need to ask that person if they want to be discipled. But God, may we be a community that disciples others well. Amen. Um, And if you've ever been around Renew, you've... uh, maybe, sorry, those of us that started with the new early, you've heard of this idea of in, out, and up, right? Anyone ever not hear the terms in, out, and up? It's okay, raise your hand if you haven't. Okay, good. So I'm gonna have my lovely assistant, who I'm also married to, come up here um, and help me. Because if I tried to draw something, it would look really, really bad. And a lot of you would be, uh, can you guys see that from over there? You go right there. I just only have orange, that's it. Oh no. <laughs> This is why God has graced me. Uh. But we've talked about in, out, and up for many years, that the structure, that these these circles, the way that we think about life with God, um, we try to keep things really simple because what we've learned is the more complex things get, the more we forget about different things. I'm going to hold on for one second as she grabs those things, and we can edit out this weird space of quiet. But this is really where the story of Colossians comes in for me. Because as I I think about in, out, and up, and the way that we've thought about life together as a church, and the idea of of in being one of community, up being one of focusing our attention to Christ, and out being the conversation around mission, uh, the Lord's really stirred and changed some things in my own soul in this way over the last few years. Especially as I begin to look at Colossians. And I think Colossians really helps us to get this space. So there are three circles. Um, Very good. (laughs) And the first one is in. And up and out. But I want to talk about up first. And so as I think about up, a lot of times we've talked about what it means to follow Jesus. We've talked about what it means to be people who are focused on, on him, but I think the word that really helps me understand up is the word presence. There's something amazing that happens when people show up to worship Jesus in the scripture and in our lives. And in those stories, what we see is we see God come and shake buildings. So, this idea of up is the idea of presence. And let me put it even simpler it's falling in love with Christ. As Colossians says as, the, as Paul says in the Colossians, "Be devoted to prayer, being watchful, be thankful." But this idea of adoring Christ, that when we worship together and gathering in house churches, there's this deep expectation that Jesus shows up, that His presence is made manifest, that He comes and that he ministers in our midst, that as a church that is focused on the presence of Christ, that we seek. Jesus together. And that the, the, the hope is that one day, that in days upon days upon days, that when we gather, we are coming with this expectation that he comes and he shakes the building and changes us and challenges us. As we think about the word in, that's the word really that came out for me in terms of formation. And so it's learning to follow the way of Jesus through spiritual practices and this is what the entire book of Colossians is about. It's about how do we live out this life of following Christ in our town. And so the idea is that this is not just formation of our minds, but a holistic formation. As Jesus says, or as Eugene Peterson writes, uh, rewrites the words of Jesus, that we would learn the unforced rhythms of grace. But that this word in would be reconstructed as the word Formation. That we would begin to think like, what disciplines, what practices can I add to my life that are going to pull me closer to Christ? This is also what I'm super excited about as we think through new families, as we think through the youth group and how that's growing, as we think through the book studies that are happening, men's discipleships, women's discipleship, house churches and gatherings. These are places where formation takes place. These are places where we're able to begin to check out these practices. We come to the word up, and that is the word that we think through mission with. And as Paul writes in classes, be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace. Season with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Renew, I want to throw some gas on the fire here. My sense is that it is so amazing when we gather because it's just awesome to experience this kind of community. But as I look at the seats that are empty, I'm convinced that God has a heart to fill those seats. And not just so that we grow in numbers, but because he loves people deeply. And because people are walking around lost and they have no idea who Christ is, what it means to be loved by God, what it means to find identity and purpose through the person of Christ. And so we must begin with this. We have been a bit too ambiguous in the area of talking about mission. And this is why our fifth Sunday is like training wheels. And so some of the way that I wanna add some very clear clarity to mission is this, it's threefold, to increase joy, to reduce suffering, and to create beauty. And so if you're asking the question, How do I join Christ in mission? Am I increasing joy? Am I decreasing suffering? Am I creating beauty? That's what we see happen. That's what we see Christ do in all these different spaces. When we watch the person of Christ in the gospels, these are the three things that we just see happen over and over and over again. We don't see a lot of track bombing from Jesus. We don't see a lot of other things like that. But what we see him do is we see him increasing joy. We see him decreasing suffering, and we see him creating beauty. And so Renew, that's why we're doing this fifth Sunday, because we need to grow in this, because this is what we get to do. There is so much fun to be had as we join with the Spirit and the work of Christ in the world around us. And I want to add a new one, because sometimes these diagrams don't fully work. And it kind of goes around the entire thing, and that will be the word "with." And as we think about what we heard in Colossians, Paul mentions one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine names, because Christ, because Paul is with people. And so the way that we do this is we want to live in community with one another. And I am so amazed with the way I've watched this community practice community very, very well. Uh, If you talk to anyone who's been around and inside these doors for years, they will tell you this place understands how to do community really well. They understand with the way that we are in community with one another. In our gatherings, in our house churches, the fact that this stuff takes so long to get done afterwards because you all are talking is one of the things that might frustrate the heck out of Ben and I at times, but it's this beautiful reminder of people are connecting, and that's a gift. Now, you could connect over putting chairs away, shameless plug, but it's a gift. Watching our house churches, um, for some of you that that know... uh, Denise had a really difficult season. She lost her aunt and uncle in the matter of three days. And to watch an email go out, a text message, a blind text message going out saying, hey, can some folks come and pray as the family comes up to gather? And can we have some food? Well, the beautiful thing is there were like nine people that responded privately saying, we'll bring food. Uh, And a bunch of people from Renew showed up to pray with Denise and to be present with the family that's suffering. And what I'm amazed by that is when, when, they're, when the needs are made known within community, the community responds. They jump to action quickly. But here's a place that I sense we kind of need to grow in. That we would find more time for face-to-face community. That we would begin to develop more personal relationships with one another where we sit down over coffee, we go for a walk together and talk we have beer together, but we spend time in face-to-face discipleship. And so this in, out, up, and with, I want you to know that this is what discipleship looks like. This is how we define it. That we're people that are madly in love with Jesus, that we seek his presence, that when we show up, even if we're not Hand-raising, external worshiping kind of people, we're gonna make you uncomfortable because you need to be, and that's okay. You're gonna be like, "I'm so angry with you for busting my bubble," but we need to seek Christ, to have this holy longing in us where we can't get enough of being in His presence. We're people that are continually saying, "I want to follow Jesus." Monday through Saturday and what that looks like is I build time in my life and in my schedule to pay attention to the work and what he has for me. We will never be able to to grow in Christ if we don't actually initiate space and time with him and that we would be a community where are out that God would bless the way that we view the world. That it would not be stuck in ruts but that we would be moving and constantly taking risks and that we would be reminded that if we're doing this alone, we're missing out on one of the best parts about discipleship because it's done best in community. So I have two more things. And the first thing is this, I sense that the Holy spirit has been doing some really amazing things in this community recently. I have sensed as we've gathered to worship that there seems to be this hunger and thirst for more and more of the presence of Christ in our midst, and I want to say, keep, let's keep going. Let's continue to press in and say, Jesus, we want to meet with you here when we come. I'm having significant conversations with people who are confessing sin and running to Jesus in this community. And my friends, what I'm loving about that is I'm watching people say, "I believe that what Christ has is so much better than me hiding something." And it is the most beautiful thing that I have seen in all of my years of being a pastor. Because there's just this hunger to say, I want to be obedient to Christ. Let's keep running into that. And I've also been hearing these hungers and these hunger pangs for the nursery ministry to grow. This vision that God gave me years ago, of two years ago of seeing this, this, this nursery in a hospital with the with the lights out and Jesus flips on the lights and all the beds are empty. Every single bed in this nursery is empty. And Jesus says, this is your work. This is your work. Fill this nursery. Work with me, walk with me, watch how I do this. But we are called to fill the nursery. And I'm excited to see the hunger and the mess grow in that. So this is who we are as a community. And so what is it that we commit to? Well, we commit to this. We commit to being present in gatherings and house churches. And we do this by having house church and gathering. And some of you might say that we are a church with a double major. In our gatherings, we major in formation. Uh, we get to tell stories. We have opportunities to worship together. We pray. We sh- and we enjoy the space that we have when we gather together. It's been amazing. I've been talking with pastors from around the country in the last few months and they ask the same thing. How have you guys done this house church thing for 11 years? Like most of them last two or three, and then they kind of die out, and then they just go back to normal church. And so I just want to commend our house church shepherds for being faithful in the way that they've they've shepherded well, but also to you all as a community for being committed to walking life together and seeing the importance of what it is to do this This every other week, really clunky, hard structure to explain to most people that we come in contact with on a daily basis. But what I appreciate is this. As a house church, we major in authentic relationships that are focused on the lordship of Christ, the reality of his kingdom. And it fleshes itself out in the reading of scripture, worship, prayer, sharing meals, joys, burdens, encouragement, and love together. My friends, I want to encourage you, if you have been kind of like most of us are coming out of the summer and maybe our consistency has been just because we've been busy, may we enter into this fall with this hunger and passion to be consistent, to be present, to showing up. And presence doesn't mean attendance. It means that people know where you are. And so we all bring something at House Church. We all bring something to gathering. And I've appreciated the way we've seen more and more and more people present at this table, present sharing stories, present leading worship, present doing the elements, because we believe that community is best lived out when we all participate. This is not the Doug and Ben show, but Renew Community comes together to worship Christ. So would you commit to, to seeing house church differently in this year? And again, this is kind of stuff that I talked about, but this new idea, something that I had chatted with the house church shepherds at the beginning, beginning of the summer, what would it look like if our house churches saw themselves as socially and spiritually responsible to, not for, the geographical area in which they gather? What would that look like to see joy increased, suffering decreased, and beauty created? And so that's where this fifth Sunday thing really comes in because we want to trust God in these ways. Would you commit to prayer in this season? And I want you to write this down. Uh, This is one thing that the KM team and myself have been praying and, and I'm inviting others into this because I think we just need to pound the gates of heaven. But would you pray with the elders and I and the KM team for the Holy Spirit to fall and renew? I think that's, yep. Then the next one. Would you pray that the would grow? Do I have a third one? That's what I thought. And that we would pray to be a people who are attentive and wanting to hear from the Lord on a regular basis. But would you pray those things with me in this season? The other two things that I want to ask you, would you be willing, would you come, not willing, would you come on the 22nd to the prayer walk? And then lastly, it's this. Tuesday night prayer, make one in the next three months. I'll babysit your kids. Just bring them all to my house. I'll put a lot of sugar in them and send them home late. And then lastly, and this is a big ask, but Renew, would you commit to volunteering with our kids and and for more bodies for setup and tear down? And lastly, would you commit, we need more people that are willing to join in with community dinner. And so I submit all these things to you and realize that this is an ask for you and I want you to sit with And A lot of you here are like, man, I'm already serving in so many ways. I don't know if I can anymore. So just ask the Lord, Lord, where do you want me to be? We need another five to 10 leaders because a lot of leaders that are out there are out there every other week. And I'd love it if they were only out there once a month. I think it'd be a beautiful gift to them. And it'd be a beautiful gift to our community. They serve the body very well. So I want to end with this story. If we were to go back in time and walk through the forests and the hills of the East Coast, the Appalachian Mountain Range, you would notice the prominence of the American chestnut tree. And it ranged the entirety of the Appalachian Mountain. It was huge. Uh, Some people say one in every four trees was an American chestnut tree. Um, Henry David Thoreau's description of a hike uh, near the woods in Walden Pond includes a tribute to the boundless chestnuts in the woods and the pleasure that he takes in harvesting bushels of chestnuts, which he calls a good substitute for bread. They sustained life in America for generations upon generation. But in 1904, something began to happen, and there was a documented case in New York of a chestnut tree that had some kind of infection. And so the scientists and the people in the forestry agency began to kind of watch. And these trees would develop a sore on them. And then eventually they would get sick and die. And it was named the Blythe. Sounds really dangerous. And the forestry departments of the East Coast went to work trying to protect these valuable resources. This handsome guy, uh, that's my great-grandfather. And he joined in with the fight in the forestry team. To help see, to help try to protect these great trees. And sadly, in 50 years, by the 19, late 1940s, the battle was lost. In under 50 years, the entire chestnut population, American chestnut population in the Appalachian Range was completely destroyed. Uh, some have called it the greatest ecological disaster in the history. And it's wild to think that this tiny fungus that came from somewhere showed up and knocked out a long-standing American chestnut tree in, across an entire landscape that reigns the entire Appalachian Mountain Range. And it changed the landscape forever. And it's a sobering fact. And this reminds me of the sobering fact, too, that civil religion in North America is dying across the board. We are seeing churches close doors. We are seeing, and this is not just the Christian, faith in general is just falling apart at the seams. And there are so many reasons that we could go into this. And this morning, uh, but nonetheless, it's a staggering reality. But like the chestnut blights in the, in blight in the 1900s, we've watched over the 50 years these churches decline and close. And some of them are actually for good reasons. But this story is not alone to us. The truth is that there is a mass exodus that people are leaving in droves. And to be honest, here are some of the reasons. Because people in the church have hidden abuse for years. People in the church have hurt others in the name of Jesus. People in the church have been less than perfect. And people in the church have not lived up to their calling to be Christ. And I feel a need to pause here. And as a pastor, I recognize that I represent that to a lot of people in the community. I was reminded that yesterday at a wedding, uh, where I'm pretty sure my wife and I may have been the only followers of Jesus there. And the, the conversations that I had opportunities to be in, to ask questions. When you think of the church, what do, you, what, do you, what do you hear? What do you feel? Most of the people, abuse, hurt, discomfort, hardships. I was burned as a kid, never went back. Mom and dad had this religion thing, and I just decided to move away from it. So as a pastor, I represent these to a lot of you, and I just want to pause for a moment and say, on behalf of the church, I am sorry that we've wounded many and haven't done the best job of caring for people. And this brings up a really important question for me that I wrestle with all the time. This might scare some of you. Why would we decide as a church to continue to move forward in something that is dying? Why would we decide to continue as a church So I want to ask the hard question this morning. Should we continue as a community of followers of Jesus called Renew? Because the cards are stacked against us and religion in North America is dying. But I believe that it actually might be a good thing. Because this is one of those beautiful opportunities for the faithful ones to gather together in houses and in this place, and worship the King together. That we would trust the Spirit to do something new in and among us, and that we would begin to get our hands dirty in the work and with our faith muscles fully intact. Because moments like these in the history of history are where revival and renewal become possibilities for the faithful gatherers seeking the face of Christ together. Not too far from here in Telford, there's a park called Chestnut Grove. And every fall, the kids and I, we take buckets and we collect the bounty. And a lot of this is because for the chestnut trees, hope wasn't lost. And for 50 years, the American Chestnut Tree Foundation, the TACF, for those of you who are interested, has diligently practiced selective breeding in this effort to revive the American chestnut by making a hybrid with American chestnuts crossed with a variety from China that resists the fungus. And amazingly, we have begun to see the trees coming back. And the truth is, is that we will never go back to what it was like before. We will never go back to what it was like before. Let that sink in. We will never go back to what it was like before. And it will never be like it was before. But there is always a way forward in the creativity and the hard work of mad scientists, skeptics, and dreamers. Renew, we are the mad scientists. We are the skeptics. And we are the dreamers who are figuring out a way to see Christ and his bride run wild in the places where it seems the church is all but gone. But it's going to look different and you all have signed up for what this different thing looks like. There doesn't ever seem to be a going back to a church on every corner, but our hope is that we have one in every living room in every neighborhood. It doesn't look like there seems to be a way to go back to a fully Christian town, but our hope is that we would be people that are Christ in towns all around. And as I think about Colossians, this church that Paul started was completely gone in most most scholars say within, within 60 to 100 years, it was just gone. The town was actually gone. But we are a part of, of the faithful and colossized heritage. What's spectacular about these chestnut trees is that although the trunks died, and that's this fungus killed the trunks, the roots are still alive and protected by something in the soil. Like even today, you can walk in the woods of the Appalachian Mountains and you will find these like rings of just decay and little shoots that have come up around. Like that still happens today. And so these little roots are pushing up these shoots and some of them have become small chestnut trees and year after year, some of them, most of them have died, but some have been able to grow With protection, people putting mud on, like, it's this really cool thing. They take mud and they pack mud around the open sores, and that soil heals the bark. It heals the tree. And as that tree grows, we've been able to to actually have some that have started bearing seeds again, and then they end up dying. But the fact is, there is still this beautiful picture of hope that is coming. And my friends, that's our ethos. We spell faith R-I-S-K. And it's like we push up these roots and we're not sure if they're going to live all that long, but we trust that the root system in which we are deriving from is good and for us and with us always. The bride of Christ will never die. Jesus is madly in love with her. He's madly in love with us and he will be faithful to us. And so renew. we are charged to tell a story like the last 50 years of the chestnut tree comeback, not the first 50 years. And so what if we would imagine that the story we tell is like this, a church that seeks the presence of God, a church that admits when we've made mistakes and asks for forgiveness, a church that follows Jesus in practice on Monday through Saturday. What if we were a church that loves others well? A church that stays rooted in the story of scripture. A church that lives out a renewed vision of family. And a church that takes risks. My friends, that's the story that Renew is faithfully trying to tell. Would you stand and worship the King with me this morning? Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Renew Community. This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, would like more information about Renew, or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.